0: A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That point would be up until the end of part one for Mistborn The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson.
1: there this is cross and i'm pj and we are words and whiskey a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike we tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking you should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club
0: we just got done talking together about uh crossland's wonderful travel day today so i feel like a drink is well deserved in your end um and now i feel like i need a drink after having to hear it
1: so um you know i'm excited <laughs> and you can't drink on planes i mean i had to drive home but what? like you can't drink on planes anymore i mean you can on some but not on delta i was on really? american yeah i couldn't buy it either in like the standard cabin like that's yep that seems mm-hmm. weird isn't it hmm yeah like that's definitely not to fight covid
0: nope because covid dies to alcohol no, nope, we talked about on. this like early on when the pandemic started. We talked about mm-hmm. how based on early studies, if everybody maintained a blood alcohol content of like 0.12 for 48 mm-hmm. hours straight, we would eradicate the virus. Cause it couldn't survive in the bloodstream at that, mm-hmm. uh, at that, a or, uh, BAC level. Hi, uh, yes. Yeah. So I still think that would have been the best, most viable option. And I don't think people would be railing against the, uh, Mandatory drinking uh, (laughs) imposed by the government.
1: (laughs) Except for anyone who's sober. Uh, (laughs) Or children. (laughs) uh, But they'd still be
0: required to. The children, I mean. The children to drink.
1: (laughs) (laughs) PJ, today is our 73rd episode.
0: Hmm, that seems like a weird
1: number. Indeed, it is our third episode covering... Wait, we missed 69th? We did miss 69th, yes.
0: What? What was yeah. our 69th episode? Was that the last episode of Red Rising? That was the Sons of Ares Volume 2
1: Wrath, yep. <laughs> 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 that was episode 69. Um, yeah. Right. yeah, so we, we totally missed that one, but uh, we're on episode 73. This is the third episode covering Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, the final Empire here that we're talking about today, the first book in the series, and we are chatting about chapters 7 through 8. But before we chat about those pj what are you drinking i
0: made myself what i'm just calling a blackberry lemonade so it is all right so i say i need a drink after hearing your uh, your travel uh, conversation but i actually made myself a really really stiff drink so it is <laughs> four ounces of wild turkey 101 two ounces of lemon juice two ounces of blackberry simple syrup and uh shook all that and then poured it into a glass, realized it's maybe a little bit too full. So took a big gulp of that and then poured a whole bunch of champagne into the, <laughs> until I filled it to the top. So um, that's what I've got. Just a, a big old glass of blackberry lemonade. Whole lot of rye. That High sounds tasty.
1: <laughs> that sounds very tasty. Are it is, you- it's
0: really good. Are you following it up with anything? I've got Mountain Beach. I found it in the back of my fridge. It is a uh, bright and tart pineapple lime guava beer. It that's all it. Session sour. There we go. Session sour from Breckenridge.
1: I think I got it in like a Breckenridge mix fifteen pack that they put. That up. makes sense. Something like that. So it's interesting that we both leaned into summer drinks. Ish. Yeah, you know, like you've got a blueberry lemonade and a summery blackberry. Um, Thank you, black. Sorry, blackberry right. lemonade. I know yep, you're color black. blind, and they're the same. I can see you, black, but, but like, <laughs> um, but like blackberries aren't really black. You know, like they're like and you can't see blue black. though,
0: and blue berries are black to you, I guess.
1: Are gray. Uh, anyway, so. You're having the the lemonade and the the summer the summer sour. Uh, I am having what I am affectionately t- affectionately titling the summer old fashioned, uh, which is two parts bourbon to three parts orange juice, orange bitters, and uh, one part amaretto. I made a double. Wonderful. It's a similarly strong beverage. Right, uh, we, are do, we are here. We are here to man. party. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Today was a day, <laughs> but we're here Where to record, and we're we're excited to to do so. Uh, I'm following that up again with a wrongfully mined mind from Edward Teach. Yeah, have you mailed uh, that to me yet? No, because I need to buy more for you. So leave me alone. I PJ I dead bottom out at the one store. Um, PJ. <laughs> At I'm fucking with you, I know. At the last that we spoke and recorded, from the time that we recorded, three days ago, a, yeah, I have not gone to a store where I could even buy beer. Yeah, I was you, in New York between like we recorded. I woke up in the morning, flew to New York, <laughs> was in New York, and then flew back, and I'm recording again. <laughs>
0: I feel like you could have squeezed it in there if you uh, really,
1: really cared about it. If you really loved me. There's been a grand total of like two hours that I've had on my own <laughs> outside mm-hmm. of the New York hours in North Carolina. Uh, but right, fine. needless to say, i okay. very excited to, uh, to get into this kind of breezy, but I don't know if it's going to be so breezy an episode because there's actually like a lot to talk about granularly. We've got a lot to talk talk about, though, in terms of uh, just all all of the various content. We get, like, a lot of different things and components and answers to some questions that have kind of been lingering since the beginning here. So, very excited to talk about this week's reading. With that, um, we do have some predictions last week, but we didn't transfer them between documents. Regardless, we will instead, we are going to kick predictions for a week, and we will come back to them next week due to utter chaos. So, I will compile them all and bring them all together. And I have also got new ones from our Discord patrons. So, we have some stuff. Some stuff. Ooh. Oh, you're making
0: use of the No PJs Allowed
1: channel again, aren't you? I am. The new No PJs Allowed channel is back in full force. So, God, it I'm feels so bad seriously. to be
0: excluded from
1: stuff. Ah, uh, yes. To be excluded again. If you would too like to join the excluding PJ channel, all you have to do is sign up for our Patreon patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey and then join the discord and the no pj zone so that's it um don't do it actually do it no i mean do the there well, are there uh, are a whole uh, bunch of channels
0: where i get to participate and i'd love to see your smiling face in there yes except for the no pjs it, it's all just text <laughs> channel anyway <laughs> but,
1: it's true but it's we true. would like your memes we would like for you to contribute your means memes, memes. Join us and bring memes. Bring the memes. Um, okay, I am in an odd mood, and we're yeah, gonna I can tell, continue ma'am. here. So, with that, let's uh, let's get into the chapters. So, okay. the first chapter that we have here is Chapter Seven. Chapter Seven. We read the you know kind of parable from last week, but I one of the big things that we get right off the bat is that Marsh is just this fantastically complex character in this week's reading. Um, we start off with a couple of different pieces of knowledge dropped on us, namely that he was a former leader of the rebellion, was replaced by Eden, and that he resents Kell for his actions back when he was a thief, back when, you know, when Marsh was taking part in the rebellion and when Kelsier was kind of off on his own doing the selfish thing.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting kind of dynamic. Basically, Kelsier is finally coming to this situation where he is acting in the way that Marsh wanted him to act in the past. But because so much time has passed, Marsh feels this resentment that it wasn't earlier and isn't really opening himself to being like proud of his brother for growing, but is rather just kind of, um, untrusting of the, of the motivations and not quite believing the, the truth of what's going on, which is totally fair, but the whole dynamic's really odd and, uh, complicated. So fun to see it play out a little bit. Plus just sibling bickering back and forth. Like I know I do that with my siblings every once in a while, so I get it.
1: And this seems a little bit elevated from, you know, just standard bickering. This is, I I would say, you know, much more adult in its own way, especially in the way that Marsh kind of leads off talking about this list of slaughtered men and that several of them were Ska. That's kind of a, a very big deal for... Marsh because of his position inside of the rebellion, but for Kelsier, he kind of treats it off and blows it off nonchalantly, saying, "Unfortunately, life gave me the ability to push men like them off of the tops of buildings." And ah, wow, um I mean, like it's it's funny, but at the same time, it's kind of
0: eh, hmm. yeah. There's some really strange like lines of morality that are kind of crisscrossed and not quite held true between both of them. Like, Kelsier is fighting against the system in which the Ska are enslaved, but is unwilling to, like... I w- I don't want to say overlook, but um, consider the, the fact that the Ska that are working for the noblemen don't have that much of a choice. Like, this is the best for them and their families. Yes, they're technically working for the their oppressors but like what do you want them to do man and i guess what he wants them to do is join the resistance and sacrifice sacrifice their comfort in order to hopefully take this down for everyone in the future maybe and this is by the way a resistance that has not like that has been going for a thousand years and has made zero progress so like Mm -hmm. that's kind of a bleak that's a that's a tough a tough sell i think but he's like fuck you you're like you're a traitor and that doesn't seem really consistent with what's actually going on in the world and then marsh is like i said just kind of digging his heels a little bit because he feels like this isn't the way Kelsey has acted in the past. And it must be something selfish. Even though he, he's been given the scope of the project. I don't know. There, there's a lot of history that comes into it. And I feel like neither of them are truly acting in the, what they would consider their moral, like philosophy. If you were to ask them separately, what, what that might be. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really not. I, I, I think that it's a hard – it doesn't feel like there's a proper word for it at the very least that I can think of right now. But they aren't acting like according to the men that they want to be. Their moral philosophy is a great way to put it. Like they aren't following like a pure version of their moral or ethical compass. And I think that that puts them in a very complex place as characters and as brothers like competing against each other because they've kind of become – they've kind of flipped spaces. It, like as they're talking to each other, they're kind of coming to this realization that it's like, well, you don't care anymore about this and you're acting in your own selfish interest. It, it almost comes to a point at the end where it seems like they understand each other for those very same reasons. And that sort of ends up being where the kind of tenuous agreement comes from between the two of them. Right. Which is a nice complex interaction in a very short amount of time. Like this is, it's a, I mean, this entire reading this week is 40 pages and there's a, good amount to talk about here because there's so much nuance and depth within kind of these the way that this is set up and and kind of given its uh given its due given its time
0: right yeah for sure
1: yeah yeah um you know marsh of course seriously questions kelsey's actions how they how the past conflicts with the present and this is kind of that that morality thing right here that is is such a huge deal i guess the the biggest problem that i have is kelsey has this sort of lens that he adopts where if you're working for the bad guys, you ultimately can be treated as such. Right. And so kind of deflects and decides to kill those people as though they do not matter. Um, Even though they're the same people that he wants to save. Right. And that kind of becomes an interesting morally complex problem. But at the same time, Marsh is advocating for not killing those people when they also would have tried to kill Kelsier because that's what they're supposed to do in their station in life. Because that's what they've been, you know, raised, bred, and otherwise, like, taught to do. So, So
0: my understanding, or my thought process, was Marsh was advocating for him to have gone and and conducted this in such a way that he didn't have to kill them. Like, I'm sure he knows that he could have dispatched them non-lethally knock them unconscious by hitting their head against the wall hard enough. And that's that's a thing that could easily kill somebody also, but maybe some of them would survive, you know? I don't know. I think I think there are ways that Kelsier could have gone about that heist without just
1: absolutely slaughtering everybody, and I think that's what marsh is kind of getting at there's almost a difference in definition between something like a heist and a robbery this that was more of a robbery you know like that was guns ablaze in, going in intentionally to like kill people in addition to pulling it all off i guess and a heist generally has like a
0: what's the definite like where's the line there like is there a line i feel like a heist is a, is a robbery i feel like they're just i feel like they're the same fucking thing
1: i guess the way the way that i'm trying to paint a picture is that like a heist feels like a plan, right? Like a planned out thing to like go in and do very specific things uh, and and execute. Well, he didn't really have it all planned though, right? Also, the definition of a heist is literally a robbery. Um, (laughs) Just just so we're aware. Um, (laughs) Heist
0: just sounds classier. Yeah. And heist, I, I feel like in modern modern day it is so tied into the idea of like a, an, an elaborate plan that involves multiple people d- specialized in in multiple sort of different facets all coming together to pull something off that it's incredible like that just based on hollywood that's what we yeah. know heist to be but by definition a heist is just
1: i actually so i, I read the selection. informal definition I read the informal definition. My bad. So these are both these are both theft, right? Like either way, these are theft. Um the difference between a heist and a robbery, according to the definition, is a heist is a slang term for any taking of money or valuables using elaborate means and for high stakes. A robber a robbery specifically uses violence of violent force or threat for the same means. So okay. And that so feels then about burglary. Right
0: burglary yeah.
1: is in there as well
0: but burglary yes. burglary is nonviolent. is that correct
1: i would assume yeah I that think would probably be what case. i would put yeah yeah so he could have gone for burglary is basically what we came to terms through through defining these things that would have been what marsh would have wanted you didn't have to rob them you could have burgled them <laughs> you didn't have to kill them you know like yeah. Obviously, that's what he says instead, but yeah, literally, if we think about the definitions of those things and get, you know, kind of into it, that's where that's where he wanted him to be morally and ethically. Like, get the things that you need to pull this off, sure, but you didn't need to kill the ska that we're ultimately fighting for. The noblemen, fine, fuck them, like, don't care, but yeah. But how do you delineate that? The sort of recklessness, yeah,
0: true. But, I mean, they're all, they're all dressed the same. They're all in the same position, like... How's he supposed to know who? And I guess that's, that's Marsh's point the entire time is they're all people.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think so, he says something like they're all men, right? Like he says, they're all men. Like you didn't need to kill them all.
0: Mm-hmm. He either says men or people. I can't
1: recall, yeah. but either way, like that's, that's kind of where he's getting at the sentiment. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's, man, it's it's a tough spot, too, because it was such a cool, we, we literally talked about last week how fucking cool it was, and then it's like, ah, uh, now we have to deal with the moral consequences of our really cool actions, don't we? Um The, I mean, the fallout of... Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so cool. Yeah. In, in the end... How many people's lives is cool factor worth? Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like it's For at least 11. So I think he's in the clear
1: well he killed 12 though right like 12 11. 12 is too many didn't he no it's he 11 okay
0: that's why i said 11
1: okay i feel like i feel like none is cool don't kill anyone kids
0: <laughs> but Thanks, for, for Crossland. Story,
1: for storytelling purposes um you know fair point uh, i think it's very cool to kill people we should have just blown up the building (laughs) go, go full Lord trusting on his ass. Like just get rid of them all. Um, burn the venture house to the ground, kill everyone inside and, uh, no, he needs them. He, so that's the other
0: thing is this goes back to that whiteboard and they conveniently did not point to this, but they should have general mayhem. Mm -hmm. This falls into that general mayhem kind of, uh, part of the plan. Like, there needs to be high stakes and there need to be deaths in order to make this stick. You know? Mm-hmm. And if he's trying to pin this on another house, he needs he needs it to matter and he needs like investigations to come into into effect.
1: Yeah, he needs fall people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like who's going to be the fall person but the people that are actually getting in his way?
1: Mhm. What a what a perfect fall guy to be the only people that are known to be Mistborns, you know, like the, the regular great houses. So it's, um, it's perfect. Only people mm-hmm. known to have Mistborns, not be Mistborn. Um, yeah, different, different connotation there, but that's an important delineation. Not every great house member is a Mistborn. Um, wanted to just right. clarify that. Yeah. 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 It's still super rare. I just like the idea.
0: Like, I guess we'll get into that later, but where he's talking about how the identity of, who's a mistborn within a certain house is uh, the topic of much like within the society. Like I just imagine high society people like, Oh, I heard he's a mistborn. Oh, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm." like (laughs) just posh rumor telling of like, Hey, he's a really fucking powerful,
1: like wizard. (laughs) (laughs) All the, (laughs) like a wizard speculation mag <laughs> like a, <laughs> uh like a fucking um oh god what's it called uh oh fuck um like the sun right isn't the sun one of those like shitty magazines i'm sure it is yeah that like covers a bunch of shit also the sun is based out of north carolina fuck me um <laughs> but
0: the sun rises in the east and you are to
1: the east of me so yeah, I believe it. What? So <laughs> Marsh, <laughs> um, Marsh has a very interesting kind of about face here that we we mentioned earlier, right? He, he does ultimately come around, but he he comes around in kind of that brotherly way, right? Like he this isn't so much an easy, amicable middle ground that they're kind of meeting here, but it is kind of a, a fun. Obviously, they enjoy each other. They've got different personalities, um, and they kind of go back and forth. Kelsier has this history of being a mild annoyance line, which is funny, and he's saying that you know he's basically the mild annoyance to the houses and and whatever else. And it's it's kind of a nice way to turn it around. And he realizes Marsh comes to this realization that Kelsier is taking this mostly seriously, despite his sort of uh, humorous, roguish charm that he kind of lays on real thick. Right. Yeah.
0: I think Marsh truly understands. And I I think part of this entire meeting was to make sure like to really suss out what was going on and go in with the assumption of the worst. Like you're just using this, uh, this rebellion for your own gain with the optimistic hope that that's not the case just based on how quickly he flips in that direction makes me feel like that was his intention was like, optimistically hope that this is, it's different this time, but Mm -hmm. approach it accusatorially saying like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, don't get caught up with this. Don't sully the, the shit I've been working on all my life. So that's what I'm thinking is what's going on in Marsha's head. Like he, he seems like a smart enough guy to really understand what's going on and is doing his due diligence to understand, like to, to try to figure out where Kelsey is actually like leaning on all this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's really, he's like, he's, um, kind of like testing it, you know, he's, he's kind of like reaching in to like feel if he's, he's pushing back enough to make sure that this isn't just a, a, a trick. You know, and, and like another one of Kelsier's dirty little tricks that have clearly been pulled over on Marsh, you know, for a while. He, he has a big job. He, yeah, right. Exactly. He doesn't want to get That's that's actually a perfect way of putting it. And I can't believe I didn't think of that. Um He wants to make sure that he isn't getting pulled into this one last big job. And it kind of like in its own way, it kind of is one last big job because it's meant to end, you know, the the final empire and whatnot. So it has that sort of feeling about it without specifically saying it, which is interesting.
0: Well, no, I I think it has a finality to it. But when I say when I'm saying one last big job, it's more of a like, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to retire. Not I'm going to do this for the good of the entire realm, you know, like one last big job to me insinuates like that selfishness that Marsh was thinking Kelsier was coming at this from.
1: Mm -hmm. It does have an interesting air about it. It does for sure. Yeah. So there's also – ultimately, we also get the goal of what Kelsey is seeking to use Marsh for here, which is is getting him to infiltrate the steel ministry so that they can keep track on the Inquisitors and the movement of the Inquisitors as best they can and have an understanding. We also learn a little bit later that the Inquisitors are Seekers. They are misting Seekers specifically. Right.
0: Yes. So there, there's a comment later on – when we learn that where it's unclear whether or not they are seekers and are recruited into the steel inquisitors or if they're bestowed upon like powers of uh, of seekers after being accepted into this uh, position. My one thought with that, if it's like granted to them after they become a seeker Or become an inquisitor, why wouldn't they just make them all mistborn? Interesting. If if that were a possibility, like why not just bestow upon them everything? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? I I mean, there I'm sure there are complications to that, and I'm sure that's a difficult thing to do, if possible at all.
1: But that's my sort of
0: Well, like, why would you limit yourself to that? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm hmm.
1: And, and for the record, uh, we can identify that as bronze. Right. So they're they're using bronze, a, a pushing metal. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of the secret thing. Right. So the ability to use bronze is something that they're they are also seeking for uh, in these little mistings. And so, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, especially to your point. Is there the potential for there to be other powers bestowed? Uh, allomantic powers bestowed specifically?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. That is the yeah. question.
1: What I mean? Do you do you think that they can bestow other powers?
0: Well, I mean, if they can bestow one, they can bestow all of them. And the sort of theory that we've been given is that the Lord Ruler bestowed his followers with, and I think we get into this later in the notes. Mm-hmm. But his loyal sub, like his loyal followers, before his rise to power were bestowed these, these elemental powers. So if that's to be believed, then it would be possible. But I'm of the opinion that based on how they currently operate, I'm thinking that his, his rise to power, his demigodhood or whatever it might be brought the mist in the mist, brought the mistings and mistborns. Whoever was around him happened to be bestowed upon, like, not by him, but by the by the event itself. These powers, and anybody not loyal to him that had these powers were called. Hmm, that's my interesting. Thought interesting. That's where, that's where that's where my mind's going. I think that comes later in the notes, and I I think even then it's kind of out of place and. Wild speculation, but that's—I mean, that's hey, my current train of thought.
1: That's kind of the fun thing with the story is we're we're un, we're like both unraveling a story forward and a story backwards at the same time here, yeah, right? Like we for sure we're we're getting a story kind of in both directions, and we also have this other like journal which we we're, we're unsure of of what that is um, exactly, and so there's there's like there's a great Bullshit's number of like multi. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great number of like multifaceted storytelling elements here going on that are uh you know keeping keeping you in right yeah for sure yeah absolutely how how are we feeling about the book overall still still loving it oh dude i'm in
0: like I'm so fucking in. It's
1: it's funny because this is it's it's gonna be interesting. Would we have to slow down because we'll go back to regular recording speed versus this sort of expedited um reading? No.
0: We're we're not.
1: I don't know about you, but two episodes a week is a lot to get through in terms of uh, nope. notes and everything else. So we're doing
0: three a week for the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah. Every other uh, day, Crossland. I mean, fine. As long as we can talk about other things. Nope. <laughs> In addition. Um, nope. This is our nope. life now. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously I'm joking. Yeah. Well it's, I mean, gonna, we be,
0: can... it's gonna be different though. Like yeah. jumping into that. The, I'm having a lot of fun with this accelerated like reading. I listened to this the audiobook of this section six times today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I mean this is a really short section. <laughs> the other section. <laughs> oh my god! Ugh. The dry New York air totally dried me out, I and mean, I'm I'm not sick anymore. I just was coughing that uh, that dry, dry New York air. <laughs> it was. It's it's true though. Bingham gets got sick when he went too. Like not sick, but like dry and coughing, and a bloody and like bloody noses and whatnot. We we talked about this the other day, and we're both convinced that that's just a thing when visiting, and that makes um makes some sense. Yeah, this is, these are the lightest reads until the last two episodes. So then we go up to like 70 and 80 pages, pages a piece. So more time will be necessary to kind of go through those chunks. But Mm -hmm. so we'll be, we'll be reading, you know, similar, similar content, I guess. But yeah, so we, we kind of move on from there. There's also revealed to be the shared bond over what happened to Mare. Right, that's that's kind of revealed here. They both care about Mare, but it's not revealed why. Do you have any speculation? So Mare is
0: either their sister or Marsh's wife. Those are my two kind of options right now. And I know it's very intentionally being kept vague. That's that's where I'm thinking.
1: Okay. Do you have um do you have any uh, wide reasons as to why you think it's either one?
0: Because they both care about her.
1: So that leads you to believe that it's either.
0: That leads me to believe it's either. But they both speak very, very fondly of her um, in this section or otherwise, um, especially early on with Kelsier. Like, one of the first things we learn about with Kelsier is Mare. Mm-hmm. The resentment from both of their perspectives, like, wishing it were Mare that survived rather than Kelsier. I don't know. I... Just the the way they speak about it and the way they I, I I can't quite explain it that well or articulate it that well, but that's just kind of the feeling I got. I don't know. It, it okay. follows both of those sort of explanations. Or both of those explanations follow what were said. Well, yeah.
1: Off. Okay. All right. It's it's interesting to me as well, you know, looking at looking at kind of Mayer's character, we we are getting these sparse details and like you said, they both do Um, Care widely about them, which is why your two kind of assumptions make sense. But we're also getting such sparse details. You know, we know that she went to the pits Mm -hmm. of Hatson. So we kind of we've got questions there. Was she a part of Kelsier's crew? Is Kelsier responsible? Um, So I
0: I do want to make a little bit of a clarification here um, as far as my specifications go. We know that Marsh is an Mm Alamancer. We know that Mare was as well. We also know that that's incredibly rare. So, as far as sister goes, I don't think necessarily means biologically. I bet they, if not biologically siblings, which is possible because they're both genetically more predisposed to carry those uh, allomantic traits. Mm-hmm. But um, if they're not biologically siblings, siblings, they grew to be effectively siblings from a uh the way they like treat each other so sure i just sure. want to make that clarification i i am fully expecting them to not necessarily be perfectly biological siblings
1: yeah yeah because we've got Kelsier who effectively wasn't anything right and then right. we have uh mare who was a tenai and then marsh who is a seeker right and uh eventually you know Kelsier is revealed to be a mistborn through kind of his snapping process or whatever happens to him at the pits. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just it's, had to assert myself
0: there. So <laughs> no, I don't and I get mean, a that's, gotcha when, when she's not
1: actually their <laughs> sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No fair point, but I might get you now because what if she is actually sister, you know? Mm. <laughs> I may mean, get your gotcha, because you specified. Um, <laughs> it is interesting to me, at the very least, as, as thinking through this chapter and, and some of these reflections that we get throughout even the entire first part so far, it's interesting how kind of the further away from safety and comfort that we get, the louder Reen's voice gets in Vin's head, it almost seems, as if it's kind of warning her off, uh, sort of adventuring out of the path, right? Like, this is... To me, this is reminiscent of the hero's journey in its own way, where the beginning of uh, um, Campbell's hero's journey is sort of rejection, right? Rejecting... Uh, the opportunity, and this is sort of one of many ways that Vin is kind of pushed to reject the opportunity. And even when offered the money, a little bit later it comes. Uh, but in particular, the reason that I feel like the voice gets a little bit louder here is is this kind of section that happens on one thirty two. The paperback, Vin almost smiled back to Kelsier, reen's training came to her rescue the man who wants you to trust him is the one you must fear the most her brother's voice almost seemed to whisper in her head it had grown stronger since she'd met Kelsier, as if her instincts were on edge and that's sort of kind of to me as i read this this is sort of the difficult thing with trauma of any kind right it speaks to us In whatever way we've been, we've listened or internalized it or taken it in and um, let that kind of form and shape our reality, the way that we react to things. And it's that like little nagging anxiety at the back of our head that kind of, you know, kind of pokes at us. Right. And it gets, I, I think my experience isn't, isn't dissimilar. It gets louder. The further you push outside of your comfort zone, the more you start to hear these kind of like, you can't do it things and. And other, other things like that rear their ugly head. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't, what what'd so what do you think? What do you think about Vin Reen so far?
0: So far, th- this passage specifically made me kind of, something kind of clicked for me about Reen. And um, I don't think it's the right way to go about any sort of like um, hard lesson for somebody or anything like that. But it made me feel like, all these beatings and abandonment and um, these lessons that she's talking about from Reen are entirely intentional. He knows that he is the closest person to her and make sure she feels like she can't trust him. So she never puts herself into a situation where she trusts somebody and gets burnt for it. Like, and that's fucked up and not not the right way to treat somebody, not the right way to go about teaching somebody how to be careful, but maybe he had good intentions there in a, in a super fucked way. Like maybe it wasn't entirely malicious the way that he treated her. Like, obviously it's, it's horrifying to beat your younger sister and threaten to abandon her and then go through with it. Like that, that, That's going to fuck somebody up, but maybe his entire intention was to make sure that she, because maybe his, his view on the world was nobody can be trusted and nobody's going to just be good to you for no reason. So be cautious and never trust anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the lesson he decided to instill in her. And like, I, I can see those dots being connected through this
1: passage interesting um that it it makes it makes a lot of sense right like it, it does click and present itself in that way where it, it feels as though there's this it's not, there's not good this, right right it's definitely it's not, not good and it's <laughs> it's short-sighted and not the right way
0: to do something but i can see how that that sort of logic
1: train could happen it, it also sounds like the kind of thing that a kid would do to another kid to teach them Things, right, right. Like this, this sounds like the uh, the awful sort of spiral of circumstance that that can happen in inside of situations like this. And that's tragic. Like, that's that's truly tragic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's so difficult for me to, like, parse specifically all of the various problems with Vin and Reen's relationship, because it is in and, and Vin's overall trauma pain and experience because she has seemingly made the best of the worst hand to be dealt ever, but it's still not good. Right. And that's why, that's why this story is, is kind of so uplifting in its own sense so far, because it's, it's as though she has this other chance. And especially when we get to the coin and, and kind of the choice to continue on the journey, I think that's when like, it really kind of turns for her in a big way. But right up until this point it's we've we've gotten to feel the sort of repression and sort of beat down on vin as a character yeah
0: yeah um she's fucking broken man yeah it's really heartbreaking there's a whole lot of heartbreak when it comes to like learning about vin through this section but this is one of them
1: yeah it's um it's no good it's uh It's no good at all. So, with that, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that come up here afterwards. We get kind of some, like, Mistborn legends that that Kelsier kind of mentions to Vin offhandedly. You know, it is... Are are misborns derived from the mists themselves? Is that where the power, where this power comes from? Was it something that came from the day that the Lord Ruler ascended? Was it this reward to the truly faithful, like we'd kind of mentioned earlier, that it came from the Lord Ruler potentially down through those bloodlines, and and it's kind of all of these different potential myths of of where this power comes from. And I I just kind of wanted your your thoughts on the ideas surrounding here.
0: Yeah, so I, I know we talked about this a little bit before. Um, so I kind of showed my hand on, as far as what I'm yeah. thinking. But the fact that this is dealing with a theocracy in which the origins, more and more, the more we're getting into this sort of group, the more and more those origins are being disputed. Like it makes this whole story muddy. Mm-hmm. And. The, the very like history of the world that we're finding ourselves in, like we are in Vin's shoes here as far as our understanding of the world and our understanding of the world, even though it's like brief, like this is what a hundred pages in. If that Mm -hmm. right, that's, we're still having like, we're, we're, we're learning all these things about the world and how this all came to be. And then immediately that understanding and it, it's such a critical moment of like world building early on in the book that like that's what we're latching onto. We are sinking our teeth into this world and it's immediately being like cracked like that foundation of this world that we have already established ourselves in is is
1: deviating. Yeah, we're already getting seeds of doubt about what reality is, right? And, like, we don't but, even but know. But
0: it, it's just – it's done so cleanly, though. Like, mm. I didn't I didn't realize how, how deep-seated that understanding was because it was so early in the book and it was so, like, quick to – there was so much exposition going on and so much, like, just world-building in general. Like, this is how this works and this is how this works and it's all building on each other. And then suddenly it's like, no, that's fuck up. Like that that's wrong, that's a lie mm-hmm. and it's like oh uh, oh no <laughs> like,
1: uh, <laughs> like my world building it was a lie <laughs>
0: uh, but like maybe it's just me because I fell head over heels for like this world and in the same stroke, it got me so invested in the history of how this world came to be and the fact that that is what's at. Like, what's under scrutiny just makes it so much more like, uh, personal, I guess. Uh, no, mm-hmm. personal is wrong, but, um, Affecting. So much, there's weight to it. There, there's so much more weight to that sort of realization for Vin because we are in exactly the same shoe she is because our entire understanding of the world is how she sees it. And she's seen it for a lot longer than we have, but. I don't know. I'm sure there is a much more concise way to say this and I'm kind of rambling, but
1: okay. So you're right. You're right. And and reading this is so interesting because we do, we do kind of get this world dump from other POVs. We get the perspective of Lord trusting. We sit a lot with Kelsier, and then we cut to Vin and we get like Vin's understanding of the ground and crime and things like that. And then we like cut back to Kelsier, and we get more pictures of the, of the sort of world at large. Um, and we get more understanding of of some of these elements, and then we cut back to Vin again, which is the naive perspective. And I think that that feeds into what we see in Chapter Eight, especially uh, where she's experiencing she's seeing a terrasman for the first time. She's heard of a terrasman, but she's never talked to one. Um, she's never talked to a steward before, and so there's this whole like new thing that both were being exposed to at the same time as she is. And so now, now maybe. Now that she's kind of accepted the journey, once we get there, we'll talk about it more. But now that she's accepted the journey, it feels like we're, we're potentially set up to experience maybe the truth of the world. Maybe, maybe it feels Have better than the answers that we've been provided.
0: Trust things crossland.
1: Oh, I know. And that's why I'm saying like, it feels better than the answers that we've been provided. It feels no, like there's for sure. more potential. Absolutely. There, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's it's kind of interesting i'm I'm glad i'm glad that you had that's that's a crazy take on that like you were like it it doesn't the answer doesn't matter here so much it's more about what brandon's doing as a storyteller which i mean great point yeah that was that was my summation of what you said i know that you didn't say that specifically but um i didn't but like
0: that that works
1: yeah yeah. yeah. So, uh, Vin Burnington. We're now. We're now. We kind of get into the part of the chapter where we talk about the various allomantic metals that we we had some understanding of, and some that we had no no real understanding of. And we kind of get the nitty gritty on a lot of them here um, for the rest of the chapter, and kind of even going into chapter eight. So w- we get pewter and kind of the conversation around strength and the way that it it can it can muscle you up, but then when you're done with it, it kind of saps you. Um, we get tin and sort of the expansion of sight and something specifically that I want to talk about with tin is seeing stars for the first time. And sort of, again, yeah. this conversation of myth that we were just having, right? How Kelsier just kind of drops that, like before the mists and ash that the Lord ruler put out, they were visible more often, uh, but potentially that he had the influence over the mists and like maybe created them and the ash bounce and whatever, um, you know, thoughts there. And also like, the stars and be not being able to see them i don't what do you think of this
0: so i've got a few thoughts here yeah so one is like the mists and the ash both seem to be as a result of or rather they they didn't exist the way they do before the lord ruler came to power Mm -hmm. so from that sort of stance we can assume that the mists and the ash are both as a result of the Lord Ruler coming to power. I don't think that necessarily means the intention was to obfuscate the the stars, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a, a byproduct of that. But at the same time, thinking about this more, what is like looking at the star, like just looking at the stars and really staring at the scars, is where a whole lot of inspiration comes from historically. Like the stars are in in the most technical definition of the term. Awesome. Like they, they inspire awe. They are a source of inspiration for challenging one's worldview. They are like expansive and vast and make you truly, at least for me, it it made me truly understand how small the world is in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. And, if it was intentional to obfuscate that sort of ability to ponder the stars, I can totally see that. Like, if, if an oppressive ruler had the ability to suppress stargazing, I absolutely believe they would have done it. So, I don't know what to <laughs> think anymore. You know? hmm Interesting.
1: Yeah. that's That's an interesting take on that.
0: That said, I don't believe it was intentional. I think it's yeah, just kind right. of a, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I want to say byproduct, and I know that's the right term, or I know that's the wrong term. It is um, a coincidental, like, result. Oh, man, there's a term for this. and it's, it's not a hard term. It is a simple term.
1: Are you thinking like a consequence? Okay.
0: An unintentional consequence of the existence <laughs> of the ash and
1: mist is the fact that the stars aren't visible. But which which is interesting because that also feeds into specifically you saying consequence feeds into a big a big conversation in this chapter, right? You know on, on page one forty three, Keltier says, <laughs> yeah, I First, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> First, there's something you have to understand about allomancy, another rule. More a philosophy. It has to do with consequences. What do you mean? Every action we take has consequences, Vin. I found that in both allomancy and Life. The person who can best judge the consequences of their action will be the most successful. Take Burning Pewter, for instance. What are its consequences? You get stronger, you know the one part, and then the back part is, you know, if you're carrying something heavy, it's gonna fall on you, and and they kind of like run through those. And to your point, like maybe that was a consequence of whatever was done, if there was, if that was something. That's interesting take. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, yeah. sorry for
0: the ramble a little bit. No,
1: dude. Again, I these these I was. I'm convinced that these 40 pages are going to take us as long as a normal episode because there's so much shit in here. Like, this is so dense, which is why I broke it up into this 40-page section. So we've got that. And then the other part here that I really want to talk about before we dive into the other metals that we kind of have vague understandings of is the uh, mixtures, right? And the alloys and the importance of... Uh, the combination and the percentages and kind of what we were talking about last week uh, that I'd poked and kind of made fun of you for uh, trying to figure out iron and steel. Yeah. Being being that you literally use the word alloy. You literally uh, use the word alloy. All right, but it's not an alloy of another metal. It's an alloy of iron and carbon. Yeah. I know. Steel, by definition, is an alloy made up of iron with typically a few tenths of a percent of carbon it's specifically defined as an alloy no it is that's true yeah but
0: everything else is is an alloy of multiple multiple metals
1: Mm, yeah and that's why i mean there there is a more almost a more direct interaction between i mean all of them are are close but the most direct interaction between the two and maybe this is something to read into as well is steel and iron they are they are direct opposites uh, the next closest is um, zinc and brass. The, the
0: other thing, the other thing I would go about saying is, if you were to liquefy it, mm-hmm. they're all just iron. The carbon wouldn't stay
1: well, but the the metal isn't liquid. Like they don't drink liquid metal; they drink flakes that are in liquid. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so because okay. there there are okay. flakes at the bottom of the tubes, but
0: fair enough. I guess carbon could stay within the liquid structure
1: anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it is it is ultimately flakes at the bottom of the, the tube. Which yeah, is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eat it. Eat that shit, PJ. Chop it. Chew it up. Nom, 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 nom. Um, got you. Got you so good. Super it tastes glad. Tastes just like iron. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> It'll make you pull nails out of walls on accident. Um, Actually, wait. Is iron... <laughs> I fucking forget this all the time. Iron pushing? Iron pushing. No, iron um, pulling. Steel pushing. Steel pushing, iron pulling. Um, yes, we have a wonderful little glossary at the bottom now that I can finally reference (laughs) because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we get that the alloy thing being very specific, of course, that like you can mess up the percentages and make, uh, metals that are very dangerous. You don't want to ingest any of those. And, and kind of the, the sort of danger of having anything that's outside of the 10 known metals, uh, ATM being another one. And I don't know that we've had the ninth one revealed, but we know that A-Team is one of them. Uh, and then we've also got the 11th medal, right, to kill the Lord Ruler. So right. very, very interesting kind of kind of set. But we've got our basic eight. We get them defined here. We get bronze. That's the other really big one that gets defined here as well. The internal mental pulling medal, uh, which is for Seekers, right, if I remember correctly. I and And then so? copper, of course, for Smokers. So... You know, right. th- both of those. And we, we get the rules behind them. Um, what'd you think? What'd you think of this whole, this whole bit about all the powers, getting them defined and getting kind of the opposites defined here too.
0: So it made sense to a certain point, And like, I, I totally get that each sort of power has a, like ha- has two poles though. Those opposites like pewter and what, what's the opposite of pewter again? Tin. Peter and tin, they don't they, they feel like entirely different and not like how 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 do I want to say this? They don't feel like they're perfectly paired the same way that some of the like iron and steel are mm-hmm. or um
1: zinc uh, brass copper for, Yeah, copper copper bronze, zinc brass. That's fair. And I guess that's the difference between the internal you know, the internal metal metals are interesting versus the external metals. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I like the way this is all set up. And I what I really like is the way it's grounded in whatever it's grounded in. There is grounding Mm -hmm. and there there is internal logic that this follows. It's not just kind of created like a lot of magic systems are.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's there is pushing and there's pulling for each of these metals. So now we get we got the definition of pushing and pulling for these metals. We have an understanding of the internal versus the external. The internal metals affect you and and affect your ability to do things and the external metal uh, metals affect others or other things. And so We've also got the mental and the physical metals. Like the way that this splits up. They can still be like
0: made external though. Like copper is an internal metal that can be extended in a cloud externally.
1: Right. And affects other people. Yes. Yeah. So, but it's, it's not considered an external metal in the way that it like directly, it like targets another person or another thing. It's more of a general area. So it's, it's considered an internal metal for that reason.
0: Right. Okay.
1: In the same way that like bronze is considered an internal metal because you hear alimantic elementic pro- pulses. You don't affect them. Yes. Right. Right. So because, because of that logic, it's an internal metal and the same with pewter, right? Pewter is an internal metal because it makes you physically stronger as well as tin increases your senses. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, iron, iron and steel are fairly self-explanatory. So, Yeah. Yeah, no need sure. to uh, to elaborate elaborate on those those are literally pulling and pushing so yeah mm-hmm. um and any any thoughts on those before we go into iron steel pushing pulling
0: uh no nothing beyond that i'm just really excited to get into the nitty-gritty of it
1: you know yeah nothing like, on that except for the fact that for me like burning copper right P- the fact that mistborn and mistings like burn copper all the time if they can that's interesting
0: yeah yeah that's uh even more reason to protect your uh your pipes on the underside of your house don't want to get those uh those pipes stolen protect
1: oh you fucking you son of a <laughs> and it's it's interesting because also like kelsey makes the point of like you've been ingesting pewter in tin for a while over the course of your life like pewter silverware and tin in the water like that's just you yeah. not tin sorry not tin um zinc zinc in the water which is uh which is ultimately how she was using luck right and just like ah there's so much wonderful wrapping back of this like you said internal logic in in the way that this story kind of is constantly revealing itself and like explaining the things that happened before in a perfect way right yeah yeah so um it's it's truly interesting it is a bulletproof story <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like it is it's wonderfully set up that way. Super. Cool. Um, so we, we go from, from this point, of course, to iron pushing and pulling and kind of the physics of it. I wanted to get your take on this, of course, as you know, someone with a physics degree, someone who is a physicist and mechanical engineer, your thoughts and, and kind of the iron pushing, pulling the way that they launch and use like the small counterweight or pull and, you know, the, the sort of weight differences and, and, and things like that. What, what were your thoughts? So I felt like
0: this was described in a really, really great way, especially of the like, well, the coin couldn't go f- any, it, it couldn't go forward anymore because it hit the wall. So I had to be the one that moved like, awesome, perfect. That explains everything you need to like explain here. Like that alone makes me like understand that this is rooted in like a well fleshed out physics system. Mm -hmm. um i did roll my eyes pretty hard at the sort of out of nowhere explanation of like we can't make it go left and right we can't just make the metal do whatever because that's not how the real world works like it's that was that was the most ham-fisted part of this entire description but i mean it's good to have that in
1: there explicitly but
0: that that was Mm -hmm. (sighs) do you know what i'm talking about like specifically that point
1: yeah yeah that's where he was kind of making the point of like having multiple anchors at a certain point later too it's like you can't just Um, use the one coin to do like multi-angular things right like that's why he was like oh it's uncommon to like use one and and it's specifically he was just saying that three would work better but
0: more what i'm talking about is just out of nowhere he says oh let me find it uh oh here we go Now, remember, in both cases, the force you push or pull is directly away from you or towards you. You can't flip things around with your mind, controlling them to go wherever you want. That's not the way allomancy works, because that's not the way the physical world works. When you push against something, whether it's allomancy or with your hands, it goes directly in the opposite direction. Force, reactions, consequences. Understand? Like, great. Great description. Great to have that understanding. And maybe for Vin, that's important to know, but as the reader, that just felt, it felt ham-fisted. I don't know the better, like, I don't know a better way to put it. Sure. But it's good to know. It's good to understand that there is a consistent physical framework in which these powers are built built upon.
1: Yeah, that, that there is a physical rule set, right? that That this all kind yeah. of operates under. And I think that that's really important and really great. And yeah, like like you said, some of the delivery is not perfect. It does feel like it is – it it does feel like in the way that Kelsier is teaching Vin, it feels like a friend talking to you and explaining to you on a rudimentary level like how physics works, right? And like trying to make sure that you understand the concepts, explaining it to like a kid. Yeah. So it does, it does come across that way. And in that one moment, I do agree with you, it does feel a little bit demeaning. The rest feels as though it's actually teaching. It's in that one moment of like – yeah, it's a small thing, but yeah, I yeah, I understand. Yeah. I feel that. Um, any other thoughts on the elementic powers before we uh, take off with Kelsier into the sky and Vin follows? I don't think so. Cool. All right. With that, we move into our last chapter of the week. <laughs> Get it? Because we're only talking two. Uh, so, PJ, what do we start off every chapter with?
0: Um, drinks.
1: No, it's a, it's a journal entry. We started off with a journal <laughs> entry. and this week's journal entry is really short. So I'm just going to read it here in quotation marks. He shall defend their ways yet shall violate them. He will be their savior yet. They shall call him heretic. His name shall be discord yet. They shall love him for it. Mm -hmm. Thoughts. (laughs) I mean, this is,
0: this is like a, this is almost a Messiah claim, like Messiah prophecy, you know? Mm hmm. To a certain extent. I don't know what to make of it other than that. Do you think that it's he, like talking about the Hero there, of Ages? There, or there's the, a yeah, he, he. Yep. As opposed to she. So, I don't know. I don't know what that leads cre- lends credence to. But at least it's a specification.
1: Yeah, at least it's it's kind of something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to kind of go off of. That makes sense. Cool. Well, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, we've launched Into the Sky... Uh, Vin has pushed herself up off the ground, off of an ingot, and is kind of following Kelsey around. And, and, and just kind of this intro scene is is pretty great as they kind of roam around and talk about the mists in the city and, and things to not be afraid of. And speak of things to not be a fucking afraid of, they run into a mist wraith, a real mist wraith, because they aren't just Ska wives' tales. Right. I'm in love, man. I want to yeah. marry a mist wraith. You, I don't know. You, you might marry a Miss Wraith. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah.
0: I don't. I, I couldn't be it's, happier.
1: It's a ghost joke. <laughs> get it? It's a it's a ghost joke that I didn't eats get it. Things. I still don't get it. What it's, does it have to do with ghosts? It's a you're gonna marry a ghost.
0: <laughs> that why is that the joke?
1: <laughs> a ghosty boy. Um, I don't know. It's, it just is a joke now here we are now we're here oh, no. um, <laughs> so yeah what i mean what did you think of uh of mistrates? dude they're super cool <laughs>
0: yeah. uh just the idea that they're just uh, an amalgamation of whatever corpses they find are able to absorb their bodies and keep whatever bones they want replicate them if they want to and discard the ones they don't it's super dope mm-hmm. i am yeah so excited about them and they're just fucking harmless they're scavengers they are the raccoons of this world <laughs> 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 just waiting for somebody to drop a
1: cheeseburger or something <laughs> the garbage pandas oh yes miss the garbage pandas of scadriel we love it that's so good ah uh, man yeah they're they're like they're cool creepy and like neat right like they're you can understand how these are considered like scary because you know it could pick up the body of a dead kid and like it could seem like the dead kid for a hot sec right at night you know when they're out and like there's that whole like thing that component to it but then there's also like just the the fucking fact that they aren't hostile like they aren't scary things they're just they just are
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: yeah they're, they're kind of neat um any other thoughts on uh on mist rates um
0: i want more i want to see more of them
1: <laughs> cool i'm sure we will see more mist rates over the course of the story it is called Mistborn after all and there's a lot of uh of misty things kind of right. wrapped into the story so we go from there to uh we we kind of transfer into this kind of big kind of conversation with a couple of different reveals right like we did we're going to be leaving this entire trip out is actually leaving luthadel to go out to uh f- felice and we're getting into a carriage and we meet Sazed, a terraceman. we've heard of terrace and tariffman before previously in the journal entries
0: well we're here i'm wrong the journal entries are kind of relevant to maybe i concede i drink all right all right sweet <laughs> cheers no i was genuinely like getting frustrated Mm. with the fact that like nothing we were hearing about in these journal entries were coming (laughs) to the page. So it's good Mm. to hear, like it's good to see this, uh, sort of transcend the, um, the gap.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think if nothing else, we've talked about this a little bit and some of this internal, internal rhythm of the story is that all will kind of show itself in time. Right? That's kind of what we found out over the course of, you know, the last 140, 60 pages, is that eventually this is all going to kind of show itself. Uh, So, like, the journal entries are going to show themselves. It's just not as immediate as you thought. Right. So, yeah. So,
0: I'm still trying to understand why they are placed the way they are, if there's a reason behind it, or if it's just a, like, this is the means of telling this sort of future story, and it'll cross when it crosses, and... It won't
1: when it doesn't. Sure. Okay. There's there's this question that comes in the carriage as well before kind of a larger conversation that we'll have in a second, but it, it comes when Kelsier and Vin have kind of an on, honest conversation about Marsh, and Vin asks this question about Marsh beating Kelsier to teach him things, and I just want your thoughts.
0: Dude, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely heartbreaking, but it really does seem to give us and Kelsier in an understanding of Vin and we also through through Kelsier's perspective know that Vin isn't unique like it's it's heartbreaking and it's sad and you really feel for her but the way he talks about it he says he barely survived this sort of underworld scenario mm-hmm. and seems to be saying that like people come up with Vin's experience not uncommonly, so um, yeah, it sucks and it's depressing and it hurts. But you know, it was. It, it, I was really sad <laughs> the first time I I read it. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> but I don't. I don't know how to really. I don't know how to make that sound uh, profound. So I'm just gonna say, oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. It. It is. I, I think to me it's it's just more revealing of of Vin's kind of condition, right? Because Vin sees this parallel in Kelsier of being a Mistborn, and sort of has this maybe maybe even for the first time this like empathetic connection with him, or, or anyone with anyone over something, and being this sort of shared power set and kind of this this like mentorship thing that's that's happening. She just starts to maybe have this inclination that maybe because of the older brother and sort of their sim- similarities that maybe this this is a parallel that he experienced in his life and that's just so sad and unfortunate and yeah. um mhm I mean, the, this whole like I love Vin. Vin is also like a, a a bright spot. We're talking about a lot of the dark this week, but she's also a bright spot because, like, yeah, she has she ha- has these like negative reactions, but some of them are goofy, like some of them are are silly, <laughs> and and that's that's also fun from her character. But there's also the other half of it, which is sort of the tragedy of of how she came to be this way. Um, and and this is maybe maybe one of the more revealing moments in addition to the conversation we had about Reen earlier, but. Yeah,
0: it's not like she is, from her her perspective, she has had a completely normal childhood. So it's not like she is this emotional wreck Mm -hmm. when it comes to dealing with her trauma. She just refuses to believe that other people didn't go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that is just her normal. So... It's not like it's, I mean, obviously it's trauma for her, but it's not like she's this brooding emo kid. uh I don't know, utilizing her pain because she feels like her pain is normal. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a strange, um, uh, strange character to really put, to really nail down. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she she does have a very different. She's a very different protagonist um, in a lot of ways. Speaking of kind of like the sort of standard protagonist thing, though, we do get the hero's acceptance of the journey here, where she is offered the coins by Kelsier to turn away and and kind of take the three thousand uh, boxings that she would have made or that rather Cayman would have made on the heist because it was mostly her work in the first place, and says, "Hey, these are yours. You can go do what you like. I need people who are committed." to this to be a part of it so if you're not committed that's okay don't hold it against you here's the money you can go and she decides ultimately to keep the money and stay (laughs) (laughs) i don't Um, think that
0: was up for debate though like it seemed like no matter what she was gonna keep the money Uh, yeah right so that felt cool
1: it, it, felt, it felt it felt against the the real cliche would have been for her to give the money back and then say she was going to do it right like so it's kind of it's kind of fun because it does play properly into her character in addition to her accepting kind of the classic hero's journey right yeah yeah what what did you have any other thoughts on the scene outside of liking it um like it, it's
0: just this is the point where we really start to get to see her growth as mm-hmm. a character because I, I I think with, I think this is the first bit of growth for her. Because I think if we had taken the Vin from the first moment we met her and put her in this scenario, she would have left. Mm-hmm. And we're we're actually seeing a progression. We're seeing a growth. We're seeing development for this character. And it's small and almost completely insignificant. Not quite. But almost from her perspective, ah no, no from our perspective, it it's mm-hmm. pretty big from her perspective to be kind of blindly jumping into this scenario with somebody that she doesn't know doing something she finds to be crazy, but either way, it's growth. And that's fun to see,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely fun to see and, and see this change. And we even get a sense of that change as we head into the rest of this chapter, right? Like even as she heads into Feliz, the city with the keep of Lord Renew, purchased by Kelsier, cloaked in mist, it's um it's it's really interesting and we get some interesting perspectives here from her that almost feel a little bit changed and it, it feels like there's just been a little switch that maybe flicked but what do you think about uh, Feliz the Keep and sort of the conversation around the, the new locale that we find ourselves at uh,
0: the conversation here regarding the city is I felt really interesting um, it starts out as like from Vin's perspective of like there's all this beauty but at what cost and then we jump to the conversation between her and Kelsier. And we learn Kelsier's perspective of there's so much that went into this, but with that much effort, it could have been so much more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Those are two starkly opposite views on this beautiful city, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's cool to have that dichotomy and, um, are really coming from nobility. It's just that Kelsier understands what things could be, and Vin is looking at it from this intangible grasp of what she's never dreamed of achieving.
1: Mm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because we we get earlier from when when Kelsey is talking to Marsh that like at one point he had more money than he ever knew what to do with so like we know he's experienced absurd wealth with that sort of experience comes the perspective of what is truly beautiful and it's not brown trees apparently
1: (laughs) it's um Potentially not brown trees, which is, you know, another part of this, right? Like he also sets up this other conversation when we're talking about cleanliness and we're talking about how everything isn't necessarily black here. They they talk about the trees and we finally get a description of this. We we just kind of assumed grass, land, trees. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my brain immediately painted them fairly normal, but maybe ash coated, right? With like black and whatnot. But to say that nothing grows green and for that to be so foreign to vin yeah is a crazy implication yeah so
0: so that's sort of my thought process with this was like are we to assume then that it grows brown Mm -hmm. because my my understanding until like this point was that ash and time and the lack of sunlight or the sort of um, smokescreen over the sunlight made the turn made the- made the vegetation turn brown but probably started growth green but that doesn't seem to be the case here because she finds it absolutely absurd that anything would be green in nature
1: yeah. And so that leads us to believe that, like you said, like this is most likely they most likely grow brown. That color is almost stripped from this world in a in a big way from conventional life. And maybe maybe there's color elsewhere and we kind of get some other descriptions. But it does feel kind of like it's it's sapped to almost sepia tones now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, as you as you think about this world. So for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it just kind of, it. it's a layer that like, we've gone 160 pages, right? And it's something that you, we've just kind of taken for granted and then it gets thrown at you and you're like, oh shit, of course the sky's darker. Like nothing's going to grow the same. It's, right. it's all going to function a little bit different, um, to try to attract sun. So it's, oh, man, it's just, um, it's so interesting. So uh, here, I, I think I actually accidentally misplaced this, but this is where we actually reminded about the alloy or metal that isn't one of the 10, uh, and burning. So whoops said that earlier, but, uh, did you have any thoughts on his commentary on not burning any of the known metals?
0: I think that's here. I think he goes back to it. Um, he says earlier, I mentioned that if you get the wrong alloy, it could make you sick. Mm-hmm. Like, this is during the carriage ride. I think this is right here.
1: No, I. it's right in this chapter. I mentioned it in chapter 7. I don't think he talked about it in 7.
0: He does. He mentions okay. that alloys that aren't perfectly, like, aligned with what you're trying to do could make you sick.
1: Oh, yes, he does say that.
0: Um, right. But here is where he says, metals that are not allomantic in general could kill you. Hmm. think that's bullshit. I think he is intentionally hoarding all the dope metals for himself and he wants (laughs) to make sure that nobody else gets to have the fun that he's having. That prick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Of course. And so
1: he's just got some extra metals hanging out. He's like,
0: yeah, I'm doing this fucking magnesium and you can't have any. (laughs) No, I don't know. Um... Yeah, that's that's high stakes, man. That's pretty high stakes. Yeah. The question would be any sort of metals, hypothetically then, like how would you burn them if they weren't allomantic metals? Because the way we understand it is Vin can see or can can feel this like repository of 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 metal. Within her, if if trace metals do that, too, then you would think there'd be trace metals in that sort of stash that she'd be able to access. And she'd have to learn that the hard way anyway. But as we understand it, there's only what is it? Zinc that she actually experiences.
1: Yeah. Trace amounts. Yeah. I, I think Kelsey said something along along the lines of like zinc and pewter potentially.
0: Well, she definitely feels pewter. Like no, she, she has experienced pewter at least once in the past because of the mugs that she's been drinking out of. But mm-hmm. on a regular basis, her luck comes from zinc. Yes,
1: right. Right.
0: Um, so, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out... There might be other trace metals in the water that she drinks or in, in whatever else that... Didn't create this little mound of that metal for her to interact with. I'm curious. I'm curious what's up with that.
1: Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. And you would imagine as though, you know, the way, the way that I've always pictured it is that the metals, regardless of whether they're known or unknown would, you know, be, be there and feel like they could be pulled upon. But like Vin didn't know, she felt power, but she didn't know what the power was. So you know, okay. Maybe she doesn't yeah. have experience with other metals. You know, maybe there isn't, there aren't other trace metals. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, that, that that's just my thought, right? Like, no,
0: yeah. that's that's fair. That's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how that would get resolved.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely see. So we're we're also introduced to this thin, aging man, aging kind of wisp of a man, Lord Renew, and and the man who's playing Lord Renew, right? He's he's so certain. At what he's doing here, that he goes so far as to state that he could host the Lord Ruler. The place is so clean. The man playing Lord Renew, I'm sure it's the same body. You think it's the same body?
0: I do. Uh, you want to elaborate? elaborate? It's the same body. I think there's some sort of necromantic force.
1: Oh, right. You did. You did say this last week.
0: Or like a, a new soul <laughs> occupying the body. I don't know. We know that there's no sort of question that he would hold up to any sort of scrutiny, and that's solidified by the idea that he would be um confident enough to host the Lord Ruler if given the opportunity. To me, that means there is something perfectly foolproof about his visage. Hmm. So I think this is what lord renew
1: looks like in reality not just an actor faking the facade
0: correct okay all right because they're very concerned about like the scrutiny of other people looking into them mm-hmm. and they don't seem to put any of that weight into him being found out sure as an actor so an I actor think he, an actor uh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So, for for that reason, I believe this is either his body or an exact replica of his body. Mm-hmm. Okay. I dig it, and man. Like, that's a great... Maybe even... No, I don't think it's Lord Renew as a person. That's just kind of under a spell. I don't mm-hmm. think that because of a multitude of reasons, one of which is the oddity that he doesn't have a cane being pointed out because it seems like he's frail enough that he should have one. And that's me, like making leaps and bounds about like what everything means. But that's my thought. That's where my brain's going, Crossland. Mm-hmm. This is PJ's Brain Hour.
1: PJ's Brain Symposium of uh, Mistborn and Memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I mean, sure. Yeah. I'm. I'm in for uh, Renew being a, 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 a b- revived, um, thing, dude. Okay. Man, bro.
0: It could also just be a clone, I don't know, or, or a, clone. a yeah.
1: something of that sort, where like
0: the visage being uh presented is exactly what Lord Renew actually looked like in life,
1: sure, sure, yeah, so. We we spent a lot of time early. Well, we, we spent a lot of time earlier focusing on the carriage ride and kind of talking about terrasmen in general. But we haven't really talked about Sazed, right? Sazed, our terrasman, The the first one that we're really meeting and talking about here, Vin, from Vin's perspective, he's described as formal, rigid, and this like serving man that is loyal to the Final Empire as this formal title of steward kind of the -hmm. the servants and assistants to the lords of the houses and the great houses. What do you think of Sazed? And what do you think of uh, stewards in the way that this is kind of painted for us?
0: I don't know what it is, but specifically the thing that sticks out to me is the point where Vin describes him as feeling like relaxed when he's sitting like rigid and formal and proper for whatever reason that unsettled me a little bit. And I don't, I can't, even now, really analyzing it, figure out why I felt that way. I'm just interested in hearing more about these people because it's super fucking cool.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we, what's interesting too? Again, we mentioned the previous prophecies. We have this picture of of Rasek as this sort of like bold bold version of a, of a terrorist man, and we also get this idea that there are these pac men, right? That might be carrying things and, and helping. On a journey, and so we're, we're, we get kind of even various pictures and depictions of the men at this point from those two different points that we have on them so far. Sazed speaks in this in this very formal tone as well, right? And is very he he interrogates Vin almost right away and her perspective on things with kind of a lot of questions. He he kind of goes through this this barrage, uh, this short barrage. I want to read it here on one sixty two. Uh, I was just wondering how you came here. She finally said, "You mean how did a terrasman steward end up as part of a rebellion intending to overthrow the final empire?" David it asked in his soft voice. Vin flushed. Apparently, he was well versed indeed. That is an intriguing question, Mistress Sazed said. Certainly, my situation is not common. I would say that I arrived at it because of belief. Belief? Yes, it said. Tell me, Mistress. What is your belief? What is it? Sorry. Excuse me. What is it that you believe? Vin frowned. What kind of a question is that? The most important kind, I think. I don't know. People often say that, but I find that it is rarely true. Do you believe in the final empire? I believe that it is strong. Immortal? It has been so far. And the Lord Ruler? Is he the ascended avatar of God? Do you believe that he, as the ministry teaches, is a sliver of infinity? I, I've never thought about it before. Perhaps you should. If upon examination, you find that the ministry's teachings do not suit you, then I would be pleased to offer you an alternative. And like, he is just so... Inquisitive. He's a question machine. He, he like drills down in this like very real way into, into Vin. And, uh, you know, he, he ends this with kind of a line that says, the wrong belief can suffocate, which I think is, is fantastic. Uh, what, what do you make of kind of this interrogation?
0: So I think this is incredibly important for us to experience with Vin in general. Like this is her seed of doubt. This is her. Expanding upon her preconceived notions of the world in a mental capacity, because Kelsier up until this point has been the one expanding her on a physical physical capacity of like what is possible and what exists and what is real. But this is the first time she's really being quite like being challenged in what she believes. And as far as we can tell, she doesn't actually Put much thought into what she believes and that that's ripe for the again sort of uh seed of growth mm-hmm. yeah it, this sets us up so well to in every direction in every dimension to experience
1: this growth with this character and i am so excited to see where this goes and and it's it's interesting too because it, it's kind of the he is directly interrogating Vin's flaws in her, in their own right. Right. Like, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you have faith in what like Reen has told you for so long indirectly? This is not directly addressing green, but like to her as she internalizes this, this is the way that it should be taken is like, you should be interrogating all this shit in your life, girl. Like don't, don't take everything on face value. Don't take the lessons that you've learned as just straight fact, and as though nothing can change and that you shouldn't react to new information. This is no, no, no. Your perspective should change and adjust because if you get stuck in these loops, they can become suffocating if it's the wrong, if it's the wrong belief. And right. uh, it's, it's just so good. It's such a good thesis for this first part. This is this is the thesis thesis of part one to me in a, in a big way.
0: Absolutely. But maybe maybe not even the thesis, just the oh, how would I put it?
1: I guess thesis works thesis theme meaning i mean it all it all kind of fits yeah. into this idea of like this is what you should be doing not that not that she's doing it yet we're seeing the preconceived notions we are laying those seeds like you were saying now it's just a matter of of seeing how potentially vin reacts to change right right and and one of the biggest changes that we're going to see with vin here is her going on behalf of renew uh to go to these meetings these balls Potentially in the future and kind of playing the politic game of a noblewoman, nobleman, right? You know, he renew believes that this is dangerous potentially because she isn't married and she might be attention seeking if she's pointed out as the direct heir. So instead, they kind of settle on sending her in as like a cousin, effectively, to be someone who is curious, but not drawing too much attention.
0: This whole conversation makes this plan so much more solid. In Mm -hmm. general, like this book seems to be doing a really, really great job of that. Making sure that any sort of plan is as realistic as possible and is as rooted in reality as possible with the exception of these fantastical elements. But even those elements are rooted in whatever makes for reality. Like it's doing a very good job of, simultaneously fostering a suspension of disbelief, but rooting that disbelief in real world physical properties. It's such Mm. a strange like balancing act to be done, but it's doing it really, really well for me. Yeah.
1: Right. Like in, in the, that's sort of in, in a big way, I think that's kind of the genius of, of what Sanderson is doing here, right? Like it is, it is a giant balancing act. It's all balancing on a pinhead in a lot of ways. Like a lot of things, are stories in a big way are like a house of cards right and if a card at the base starts to become faulty the entire thing could could absolutely fall apart when you can pick apart that piece of logic and i think given our understanding as we talked about in our episode 0 branderson branderson Branders- branderson <laughs> branderson's, branderson's, <laughs> branderson's uh, laws of magic Fantastic, and they're they're a great way to kind of um, build this this foundation, and then you get the other side of this foundation of character that we that we've talked about with Vane, Sazed, Kelsier, um, and kind of these these angles on them, and then you've you've also and the entire rest of the crew as well. Don't get me wrong, but then you've also got the like historical foundation. You've got all these like different chunks, and they all lend themselves to a less of a house of cards and more of a Lincoln log cabin.
0: Yeah, um, I will say. Just to continue on that sort of um, idea that you're building about the house of cards and how if something at the base starts to falter, it brings the whole thing down. I think it's also true that if you build something and then just kind of get sort of a little bit willy nilly towards the top and like one of the top cards starts to falter, it can fall and make the rest of it collapse around you.
1: That's true. That's true. We are dependent on a good ending.
0: It, I mean not everything has to be consistent yes because once okay, you yeah, break consistency all understanding of how things works collapses
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a great point
0: mm-hmm. that sorry just, the just build on your own
1: analogy no th- I mean it's a great point too that's why it is so important that each of those cards is stacked so precisely and that's where I make the comment that he's doing such a good job that it feels more like a Lincoln Long Cabin right like that's yeah, for sure. That's why it feels like it is more assembled, like the grooves are intentionally cut in everything so that they fit together correctly and properly. For sure. I am. Almost as though there couldn't be a mistake. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Super impressed about all this.
1: Yeah yeah so there's there's of course like a number of different dialogue pieces that go around here but man when kelsey kind of they make comments about like the things that vin is going to have to change like uh her like kind of hoarding of food and stuff like that and then she's like what and she's got like bread in her mouth and like a napkin with bread wrapped around
0: it she's like <laughs> <It's> tucking <laughs> tucking a piece of bread wrapped in a <laughs> napkin into her shirt or whatever whatever yeah. She's like, why would I be offended by that when she's talking about it being, like, when they're talking about her being lowbrow or something to that extent. mm -hmm. Like, it's just so perfectly, it's a movie scene. Like, it is a comedic movie scene. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's also not trying to hide it. She's not hiding the fact that she's, like, tucking bread away for later. That's just what she knows she, like, instinctively has to do in order to survive which that gets into weird places later on in this whole scene where she's like leaving food behind, but we'll get into that later. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. It, um, it's just, it's, it's a moment of humor. And if nothing else, (laughs) Jesus, all right, that's stuck up. on. I literally,
0: Um, I literally laughed out loud the first time I read it. Like it's super fucking funny.
1: Brandon's humor. I I wouldn't call it sparse, but it's always well-timed. Like it's, it is. It's there right when it needs to be to like either right. lighten the scene, add levity, break things up, um, and it's not overdone. It's just like perfect every time. Yeah, so for far, sure, you know, like it's it just it delivers in exactly the way you know it should.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So they they kind of go through the comments of of the transferring of Sazed around, uh, moving from Renew instead to go work for Kelsier, and uh, the terraceman makes this comment. Uh, Sazed here makes this comment. A terrorist man without a master is like a soldier without a weapon, and he suggests that he, you know, should be a servant of Kelsier. But Kelsier, of course, rebuffs and redirects to him teaching Vin about how to be a nobleman, noble woman instead. I forget I, if it's noble woman. I, I forget that's why. As said
0: soon before. as we were introduced to this character, I figured this is where this was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. You figured it. i excited gonna gonna to learn more which. about the the uh, not talent talisman terrisman, yep and i'm excited to learn or to see vin learn more about being a proper noble woman mm-hmm. or more proper not perfectly yep. proper because rural but just mm-hmm. seeing how this whole thing goes i'm i'm guessing there's gonna be some flubs early on um and i'm excited to see those
1: yeah yeah it gives me um this this whole like concept the way my brain expands to think about what what could come next here right is this idea that have you ever seen have we talked about tangled have you seen tangled uh i think i have uh, disney animated movie about rapunzel um yeah zachary levy mandy moore uh play the the two leads of course but kind of roguish type it reminds me of the way that rapunzel in those moments by the way this is so funny that i'm bringing this up of course is like a relevant thing, but like you know, she's, she's rough around the edges in the same kind of way. And like, you can imagine what she's going to be like when she's introduced to people. Right. Or when she has to like behave. Uh, and can you imagine Vin behaving (laughs) like what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be, that's why I said there's going to be some flubs and I'm excited to see those.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause she's not going to jump right into this in a super clean way.
1: They are, they're bound to happen. The question is just I guess probably how soon. <laughs> <sighs> and how often? And how often. Yeah. Good call. Good call. You know, there's there's kind of the final note of the chapter, which is Vin, again, we've talked about Vin kind of turning the corner in this chapter in a big way, but she comes through with an act of belief. This this kind of thing that we've been interrogating in the back half of uh chapter eight here, but she comes through and asks the question to uh Cezid about trusting Kelsier and and putting this faith and belief in him and uh it's just it's just a fantastic little end moment to this entire chapter
0: yeah so we get a whole lot of growth from vin throughout these two chapters in general but i'd like to bring up something that i don't think we really touched on oh we kind of did but um Uh, the food that she's given And she very intentionally and explicitly does not accept any drink that's given or offered to her. But also explicitly accepts the food that's given to her, even though also explicitly she didn't prepare it herself. And then we start to see her get more and more groggy up until the sort of end where she's, like, really kind of loose with her thoughts. Mm -hmm. And she's, she, like in a passing thought, notices like, hey, I didn't finish my food. But that's quickly like kind of shoved to the side. and she's she's getting really drowsy. and I'm really curious if this is some sort of sinister foreshadowing or if she's just actually tired from the use of all her like the the use of her newfound alamancy and the training she's undergone and just kind of an exhausting day in general. But for whatever reason, in my mind, this sticks out as, uh, something bad is happening to her. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she's eating this food that she very explicitly mentions not having checked for anything Hmm. and didn't see it prepared. I don't know. Like, for somebody so paranoid, she is kind of uh, putting that out of her mind intentionally quite a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's definitely coming around and being very trusting. So your paranoia take on her paranoia. Is- but it's
0: also growth. Like if you if you right. look at it that way, it's also she's learning to trust people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm wondering if it's well enough placed or if it's naive uh, to trust
1: yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things that we just skipped that I just remembered in a flash here um the, of course as as previously stated these were yeah. kind of more road than yeah right. We we skipped some a couple of like mistborn rules that were kind of laid out at the beginning of this chapter namely around metals ingested inside of you or attached
0: through your body
1: which also impacts like the way that we interact with inquisitors and things like that what were your thoughts on those
0: that's one of the looser realities to me like one of the looser rules is how does that hold up and how does that actually work if you if you're trying to make something as consistent as possible other than they're inside somebody's body so it can't be interacted with and i i feel like it just kind of has to be that's what it is because otherwise there's, there's so many ways to break this world. Um, but it makes the consequence of small things like metal or large things like fucking spikes driven through somebody's head can't be interacted with, even though they're made of metal. And I don't know. That's, I'm still trying to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. It I didn't like it. I don't like that. That's, baked into this and i get why it has to be because there is metal inherently in people and they are literally ingesting the metals in order to interact with them so i get that there has to be a protection there but it seems like a really odd way to bake that into into the mechanics of this this magic system because one it's it seems like there'd be easy ways of exploiting that that they haven't brought up yet. But it, uh, at the same time, there are things that just, I don't, that have to be explained away because it has to work this way in order to deal with the iron in people's blood and whatever they're ingesting in their stomachs. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite know what I think of it. I have been wrestling with it since I first read it.
1: Okay. Yeah. And again, you know, per usual, not looking for a, um, an answer strictly or anything like that, but, you know, just curious in kind of the thoughts, right? Because that makes, you know, it's, it's interesting because the earring is basically pitch, pitched as an option as a weapon, right? Like as a potential weapon to be pulled out and used when removed from her ear, you know, the, the, the question of like, is it, is it a pierce with a clip or does it have like a, a little thing on the back? differentiating it because if it isn't through the skin it's not the same it was kind of the way that that was brought up right like but that's
0: that's the other thing is like so the the piece of metal knows that it's attached to something that's going through somebody's skin and therefore isn't susceptible to the influence of somebody else's allomancy then that does
1: but the clasp on the back would be susceptible like if there were you know if you think about nearing, right
0: i yeah 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 that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me.
1: Is it is it a single piece of metal or is it multiple? Is kind of the the thing if that makes sense. That's the way well, that, that I doesn't
0: understand. it doesn't really matter. Just the way metal what?
1: works and is built, it doesn't matter. No, well the that's where like the body comes in. That's where like that's where alamancy steps in as an explanation, right? Like what? Well, that's that's all that I'm saying is like that's where alamancy steps in to explain that, right? Like it's not. It's not that it couldn't be, like, magnetized out of your ear, right? Like, the metal would still react to a magnet, for instance. But Allomancy is pushing and pulling, and it just cannot interact with anything in the body. But metal that is clasped on the back of another so, piece of metal that isn't piercing the body isn't the same.
0: So, from from that perspective, then, yeah. why don't the Haze Killers have metal armor that just like slightly pushes itself into the skin like if there's one pinprick into the skin by this sort of logic it can't be interacted with so see what i mean like if there's like a needle on the inside of the of the metal armor plating that like just sticks into
1: somebody's bicep i know exactly what you're saying there is a reason I'll just say that there's a reason Okay, <laughs> and, and we'll and we'll leave it there because you know what I will say again we've talked about this one of my favorite traits about Brandon Sanderson is he is the, the most logically consistent writer okay I've read.
0: I'm excited to see that then I'm, I'm like, really excited for that because that's some that's the yeah. one thing that I'm really kind of trying to grasp
1: and understand yeah It'll um it'll come, but I I did just want to bring it up, of course, to, to okay. mention yeah, that because that sure. is a rule that's established, and especially if you have questions, it's you know it's, it's something to talk about. So, um, with that, that's the end of part one. Do you have yeah. any other any other thoughts or anything else that's kind of you know uh, tickling at the back of your head?
0: I I kind of feel bad that like my little sort of rant on on this little uh rule is the end of the episode because. I want to make it perfectly clear that I am having such a good time with this series, and I am so excited to continue.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts? Like, obviously excited to continue. Any anything else? Lingering? Well,
0: now I'm excited to hear where like this metal logic comes from. Like, <laughs> that's all I'm thinking about, man.
1: I'll tell you what: there are three books. <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. So there's there's lots of world, right? And there's lots of. Um, lots of stuff to kind of go through so it's you know it it is a trilogy intentionally written that way and so uh i'm I'm not saying i'm not saying that i'm delaying where when you're going to get the answer all that i'm saying is like there's there's a ton of stuff and so it's important that like all of this foundation is laid so then we can really kind of tell the story in a big way right Um, not we so that brandon can tell the story in a big way so i feel like we're collectively telling the story
0: crossland i feel like i am just as important to the story as brandon sanderson is <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: you could get that that with the story. <laughs> all right so with that we would generally move into pj's predictions i do have a couple that we will be adding next week uh kind of going into the beginning of part two from some of our patrons uh folks again send any ideas questions anything like that, that you want me to parse out to our email account, to Twitter, and to Instagram. That way we can kind of get these predictions in front of PJ. We will list the predictions that we talked about in this episode at the beginning of the next one. Um those start with a couple of different things. So yeah. Cool. We'll uh, we'll definitely run through those. Do you have any other ones that we like didn't hit on here that you wanted to talk about?
0: Um I think at one point I said that the crew would travel to Lord renew and see what's up. And that's kind of true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I'll drink for that right at the end here. I got <laughs> you. I'll take that one.
0: I did also say a couple other things that did not come true and I can't remember what they were, but
1: I'll drink. Yes. For I will make you suffer for those next week. Um,
0: okay. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. So with that, just a reminder, this is, Oh my God. When does this come out? By the way, uh, to anyone who celebrates, Merry Christmas. This is Christmas weekend. This is going to be a big deal. Oh. This comes out on the 23rd. So uh, to anyone who celebrates, of course, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. And uh, hope that everyone's having a good time. Holiday breaks, if you have them, enjoy them. Enjoy it with family if you can see them. And uh, if you care to, of course, enjoy it with the people you, you love. If you don't celebrate most. any holidays,
0: what's up? Happy Thursday.
1: Yeah, exactly. Next week is New Year's, which, you know, universally mostly celebrated so um i don't know about universally i mean it's new year's like no matter what you acknowledge the fact that the year is changing in our calendar okay. <laughs> um but yeah for, for any of those uh merry christmas and uh, happy holidays for sure we have asked for the past couple of weeks questions about prologues we instead Uh, next week, we're going to be answering those questions about prologues. So at this point, we're not going to posit a question of the week, but next week we will resume kind of the regular cadence of both recording our episodes and, uh, asking questions of the week. So look out for a question next week, uh, of which we will be discussing and the answers about prologues. Um, if you send in your answers about prologues right now, it's actually too late, but we might talk about them anyway. If you send them in, we'll yeah. we'll definitely append and, and talk about it anyway. So, um, if for whatever reason you haven't gotten them in,
0: just to get a little bit of lead time, do we happen to know what the next question of the week will be?
1: No, I haven't thought about it yet. Okay, sounds good. We'll <laughs> cut that. We'll cut that. <laughs> um, I haven't I haven't thought about what I want to talk about in sort of part two. So I do okay. have ideas for where the rest of the questions of the week will go, but uh, not for this one in particular. So sounds good. Cool. All right, next week, we are reading chapters 9 through 13. PJ, that is 73 pages. Oh, Um, shit. So in in the, of course, in the paperback, so like really that's like 60, between 50 and 60 pages. So So uh, paperback
0: pages 171 to 244.
1: yes. Yes. Um, For anyone reading along there, remember this week we are not reading because of the part switch between part one and part two. We are not reading the obviously we didn't end the episode with the prophecy because we will begin the part with the prophecy per the audiobook. But we will begin part two rebels beneath a sky of ash. So exciting. Very excited to get into uh, get into this book that now that we've gotten the foundation laid. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you as always
0: to Tim and Andrew, our producers for helping us make the show happen and get it out to you. You can check out all of our links in the show notes. You can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, our websites, socials, all in one convenient location. Fun fact today, I asked Rossland about the show and he's like, Hey, check our website. (laughs)
1: So (laughs) yeah pj still had our old calendar (laughs) before we switched to the before we switched to the new one that's what he was he's been using forever which is funny so so
0: yeah just fun fact i need to listen to my own advice
1: Yes. So if you have ever, ever have any questions, go check it out there. So beyond that, you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram at Words Whiskey Pod. You can send us an email at Words and Whiskey Show at gmail.com. And we are found at Patreon.com forward slash Words and Whiskey, as well as Reddit Words Whiskey Pod. Very excited. Send us any messages, ask questions. That's where you can send in anything and everything feedback. Beyond that, Speaking of feedback, leave us, and any podcast that you love, five-star reviews. It goes such a long way, folks, and uh, we're very excited. Also, starting this new book series, recommend us to any of your friends that like Mistborn. That's a, just such a such a big deal to us. We've already, so we're recording this episode just after the first episode came out, and the reaction that we've gotten to the first episode has been amazing. Like, truly yeah really cool uh and it's only it's been less it's been a little bit over 24 hours at this point and the number of like overflowing positive messages and happy stuff very glad to be uh welcomed in so widely to this fandom and uh everything like that so um thank you all so much spread the good word if you would and uh yeah pj any final thoughts
0: uh well first of all when you mentioned our website and social media accounts and stuff it's almost like you had it written down this time (laughs) Like you didn't stumble
1: it's um, almost like it was in front of my fucking that? face <laughs> you know i always edit it so that i don't sound like i'm stumbling.
0: <laughs> oh he stumbles every time folks.
1: every fucking time so now we have notes and i no longer stumble um after last week when we realized that we could just do that so of course because we could just edit the shit. uh other than that we'll uh, we'll see you next week have a good one